Hey there, all you Brandon's World listeners. Please know that this interview with Brandon Larador was recorded prior to Derek Carr joining the New Orleans Saints. We will have more in-depth analysis on Derek Carr joining the Saints with Austin Arnold on Thursday. And now, let's get you back to Brandon's World today with front of the show, Brandon Larador. Coming up next here on the Brandon's World podcast, Brandon sits down with good friend of the show, Brandon Larador. The dude discusses all things NFL, including Aaron Rodgers' decision, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, John Watson, all the big-name quarterbacks in the National Football League. Now let's talk NBA, who's the favorite to win the title, and are the Guardians of Purgatory plus the new MLB rule changes as well as WrestleMania 39 and the sale of WWE. It is a loaded Brandon's World with Brandon Larador, and it starts now. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages, you are listening live on this Tuesday, March 7th, 2023 to the Brands World Podcast, and here with me today, I have the one, the only friend of the show, Brandon Larador. Larador, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I am doing great, and of course, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Anchor. You can check us out wherever you get the Brands World Podcast, Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, wherever you get audio as well as video on our YouTube channel. We are also in collaboration with Voltage Live, but Mr. Larador, it is March. We are setting up for one of the biggest marches, potentially, not only in the history of Brandon's world, but the sports world. You know, generally in March, uh, we know it's a busy time of year. NBA season is heating up. NFL free agency. MLB spring training. You got the NCAA tournament. WrestleMania is right around the corner. But this year, maybe it has to do with the big moves that were made at the NBA trade deadline. Maybe it has to deal with the new MLB rule changes. Maybe it's going to deal with all the potential NFL free agency cast, specifically at the quarterback position. But Larador, am I underestimating it? This seems like a bigger march than usual. I agree. I agree. There's a lot of action, a lot of movement, a lot of big names, a lot of just sports in general, things that we haven't seen are going to happen. I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I am too. So speaking of which, let's start off here. One Aaron Rodgers just came out of the darkness. Um, and so, Erdor, I'm going to give you two thoughts that I had. Initially, I'll give you my first thought. When Tom Brady first retired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I came out here the next day on Brands Ward, and I said, if I'm Tampa, I make a call to Green Bay for one of either Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. Um, Because I felt that, listen, Tampa's roster, I don't care how bad they look last year with Brady, the roster is still good enough. They have arguably two to three elite receivers. Their defense is still good. It's not great, but it's still good. Uh, They have some nice pieces. Their offensive line is decent. Like, to me... Tampa is not in complete rebuild mode, even even though they weren't as good last year. I feel like they just need a little bit of an upgrade and better coaching because I felt like just last year was all in disarray. Uh, so I said, 
Aaron, I could see Aaron going to Tampa. You know, I could see them maybe giving up a Chris Godwin and a third-round pick or something. Give Aaron the number one receiver. He needs to go to Tampa. Give Tampa quarterback and let Green Bay move forward with Jordan Love. But my other thought with Rodgers is, I'm looking at the NFC, right? And it's, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and you know I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities to say it's Philly, Dallas, and maybe San Francisco if they get the quarterback right as potential threats in the in the NFC. I don't buy the Rams. Uh, we know Arizona's a mess. I don't buy the Giants and Daniel Jones. I don't buy the Commanders yet until they get a quarterback. Uh, Minnesota, I don't trust. I think Detroit is 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 a year away. Obviously, the NFC South, none of these people you can trust. So if I'm Aaron, I think I'm just going to stay in Green Bay because even though they didn't win the division last year, I don't think Minnesota is as good this year. I think Green Bay with a couple, if you draft maybe one more receiver, get the offensive line, get a corner. Like, I think Green Bay next year, as bad as they were last year, I think they could be the third best team in a weak NFC conference. I agree with you on the NFC, but I think that ship has sailed in in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I think he wants a fresh start somewhere. I don't know where. I like I like if I had a guess, I would I would say New York would be a nice fresh start with that young core. They just need a quarterback. Yeah, but I don't like Aaron in, in, in New York, especially with a defensive coach and, and Robert Sala. Aaron in New York just doesn't mix to me. Plus, you got to go for Josh Allen twice a year, Miami, uh, New England, obviously, with Belichick and their defense. Like, I don't love going through the, the AFC because you have Mahomes, Herbert, uh, obviously, we'll see what Denver does with Russell Wilson, Cincinnati, Baltimore. If they keep Lamar Jackson, the Browns, which is Sean Watson. Like, there's so much competition there that the NFC is a much easier path. Even if Aaron goes to the Jets, I'll put it this way: even if he goes to the Jets, Lardor, in my humble opinion, they would still be at best third in that division. I agree. But there, but there's more comp competition, and I I feel like Aaron Rodgers thrives for competition, and I think, like I said before, I think that ship has sailed with Green Bay, honestly, because they haven't done anything to better the team around them. So I feel like he wants a fresh start. He needs to hurry up and announce it, because I would like to see what his thoughts are and where he's gonna go if he goes anywhere. Can I counter that and say, because you said the team hasn't done much to put everything around him. The team wanted to bring back Devontae Adams. It was Aaron Rodgers who decided he wanted $50 million instead of taking maybe 40 to 45 to bring Devontae Adams back. He is the, basically the reason why Devontae Adams asked for a trade and why he is now a Las Vegas Raider. Um, Aaron had the number one seed the last, you know, out before this year, two years in Tampa, lost in the NFC Championship game to Brady at Lambeau. The, the year after that, lost to Jimmy Garoppolo, completely melted down in that in that divisional route. So this thought that Green Bay hasn't done a lot to put the team around Rodgers, I disagree with that. He's had pieces throughout his career. Yeah, the defense hasn't been great, 
But the last couple of years, especially, they add pass rushers. They had Zedarius Smith. They add Preston Smith. They had a great corner in, in Jair Alexander, a great defensive line led by Kenny Clark. It was Rodgers who did not get the job done when it counted. You realize you just named all defensive players, right? Yeah. It's, they- that's what I'm saying. But he added Devontae Adams. He added Jordy Nelson as well. He added Randall Cobb, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, a, a great offensive line. Uh, what, what about Bantiari, a left tackle? Had Corey Lindsey for a while at center. So this notion he hasn't had any pieces to me, I, I disagree. I can see your point. I don't know. Now that you say it, maybe you're right. But I, 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 I just think that that ship has sailed. And he wants a fresh start. I would like to see him get a fresh start somewhere else to see what he can do with a new team. Let me ask you this, because you said the ship has sailed on Rodgers. Has the ship sailed in your mind, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson? First of all, if he does, if he doesn't stay in Baltimore, where do you suspect he lands? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh Give you, I don't know if it's really a hot take, but I'm gonna say Miami. Okay. With Tua, I mean, not with Tua, with the with the situation with Tua, with the concussions, I think they're gonna move on from Tua. Although I like Tua in Miami, but the concussions are worrisome, so I say Lamar goes to Miami. That's interesting, and I've heard some people bring that up as well. I, I'm gonna talk about both teams here for a second. Baltimore, in my opinion, we saw without Lamar Jackson this year, is a bottom five team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if they made the playoffs. I don't care if they played well against Cincinnati in that wild card game. They could not move the freaking football with Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley was awful. He he was okay two years ago. Last year he was awful. That Baltimore offense average, I think it was like 12 points a game without Lamar Jackson quarterback. It was almost unwatchable. And right. with him last year, they had 10 double-digit weeks. Now, their defense obviously blew those double-digit weeks, and they could not put that team away. But they had more double-digit weeks last year than Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Like, they, with Lamar Jackson, are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Um, that's why I don't understand if I was Baltimore, I get it right. He's a mobile quarterback. He's going to take punishment. He has been injury prone, but when you watch them with him versus without him, they are a completely different team to me. You, the way this offense is structured, because they don't have a lot of wide receivers, the, the way the defense is structured, you have to pay this man maximum amount of dollars. If he wants to show Watson money, give it to him, because you know what? I hate to say it, he has done more on his resume at this point, specifically with the MVP, than what Watson has done up to this point in his career. So you would give Lamar five? Five years, two hundred fifty million. I would absolutely give Lamar five years, two two hundred fifty million. What option do I have to stink in, in a division where Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, who was not good at all, almost and arguably should have made the playoffs if it wasn't for, for the Jets' uh, 
blowing it at the end of the game in week 18. Cincinnati with Burrow is going to be around for 10 to 15 years. If the Browns get this thing right with Watson and the offensive coaches, then they're going to be around. So what option do I have? Baltimore doesn't have an option. Baltimore doesn't have an option, but I I feel like I feel like they're they're basing it off of the stuff. They're basing paying him off the style of quarterback he is. I feel like he's too injury prone and too much of a running quarterback to pay him all that money. I mean, if, if, if wants you're to- gonna do that, or you might as well tank this year. You know, Todd Monk and the new offensive quarterback, you might as well not even have an offense. You might as well win two games, draft a quarterback, and completely change your, your entire offense for a team that, I mean, with Lamar Jackson, they were what, the last two years, 8-3, and 8-4, and four, something like that, and then he gets hurt, and they don't win a game the rest of the year. But you know the history of, of Baltimore. They're, they're pretty pretty good at drafting, so they might, they might say, screw it, let's let Lamar go and start over. They might okay, not, but, they okay, might not I, be in a I agree. I agree, Lerador, but again, my counterpoint to that is this. That was Baltimore five, ten years ago. The NFL is changing. There is a revolution in football today. Defensive head coaches, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, even Sean McDermott sometimes in Buffalo, were completely outmatched. Sometimes when you go against the clever, great, offensive-minded head coaches in this league, the NFL is now no longer a pocket-standing quarterback league. It is a mobile quarterback-driven league outside of Burrow and obviously a couple people. So most of these teams have mobile quarterbacks. To me, you embrace it and you go all in with it and you invest in a good, decent backup knowing there's a chance he could miss a couple games a year. Oh, I don't know. He wa- he wants the money money guaranteed too, two hundred fifty million. I I heard it. He wants five years, two hundred fifty million, fully guaranteed, and he's not gonna move off that. Hey, if 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 I was Baltimore, I would give him that. If I was Washington, I'd give him that. Miami is a weird situation because of the Tua situation. Yeah. Um, now. Before last year, I admit to you, I thought Tua was a complete bust. Um, I did not. I think, agree. I did not think he was all that. I still don't really love Tua. I think Mike McDaniel was a great coach. They have two great receivers. I really thought Miami schemed everything perfect for Tua, but their offense did not look the same without Tua last year either. Tua is a different case be- because of the uh, of the concussions, but. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like I would give Tua this year, and then if he gets hurt again, you know, who am I to tell somebody he can't play anymore? It, it, right. It's kind of my take on it. Um, I think you're going to give Tua this year. You see what you have, uh, and then if he gets hurt again, then you can – I mean, they have extra picks, I believe, from moving back with San Francisco and the Trey Wayne straight. So you can kind of massage that around, but I don't know. Uh, before this year, I was advocating for them to move off Tua, and now I don't think they should. I feel like you have to move off him now with the with the QB carousel going on this offseason. It's their best chance of upgrading a quarterback. Well, let me ask you this, though. 
because we don't think Rodgers is going to Miami. If you don't win Lamar Jackson, there, what upgrade are you going to make? To me, there's no upgrade you, you could make off the top of my head. Derek Carr is not necessarily an upgrade. Jimmy Garoppolo is not an upgrade. I wouldn't say Jordan Love's an upgrade. Those are sort of your big three fish out there in free agency, if you will. I would say Derek Carr would like like to be in Miami with with those weapons, with that coaching staff. Listen, I, I love Derek Carr, but is he an upgrade over Tua? I don't know. I think Derek Carr's going to Carolina personally. Uh, that NFC South is a complete mess. He gets an offensive head coach in Frank Reich. Uh, he's got a great defense. It'll be the best defense he's ever played with. They have DJ Moore, pretty good receiver. You get some offensive linemen in there. Like, depending on what Tampa decides to do, Atlanta's a mess. New Orleans is certainly a mess because they don't have the draft capital, in my opinion. I think they're going to not be very good this year and go after a quarterback in next year's draft. Um, so this window here, I think Derek Carr in Carolina with Frank Reich is a perfect fit. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's interesting because what aren't aren't they talking to Sam Darnold about an extension? I did not hear about that, but I would be interested to see Sam Darnold as a backup. I don't think Darnold's an all that starter. I think he's a really good backup. Um, I think he'd be the perfect backup for Derek Carr, to be honest with you. Uh and I and I think that again, Tampa, we don't know what they're gonna do. If Derek R doesn't go to Carolina, the other place I'd love to see him go is Tampa. Uh, I think the NFC South is perfect for him because that division is so bad. And he's been a really good quarterback for so many years in the division where you're going to deal with Mahomes and Herbert. Like, just go win a division and get to the playoffs with a with a okay roster. Carolina's roster is probably, you know, below average, 17th, 18th, somewhere in the league. Uh, but they're, to me, whoever gets a quarterback in the South is going to win that division next year. Let me, let me ask you a question real quick. Would you feel different about New York if they had a if they had a offensive coach? Which which New York Jets or Jets or Giants? Well, obviously the, Jets have a defensive head coach, so it'd be the Jets. Um, I would feel better about them, yes, because uh, because you know I I am very and I've told people this and you, you you're probably <laughs> going to disagree with me. Okay, if I was an NFL general manager slash owner today, I would only hire offensive coaches, offensive head coaches. I would not hire a defensive head coach. To me, it is a disadvantage. Larador, you look at the 14 playoff teams. We add this year, 10 of them, offensive coaches. By the divisional round, there was only one defensive head coach left standing, Sean McDermott. And in that divisional round, McDermott looked outcoached in the snow by Cincinnati, who just completely obliterated them basically from the first snap. The last two years, we've had we've had AFC Championship, NFC Championship. Those are four games the last two years. All four coaches standing, offensive-minded head coaches. It's honestly interesting you say that because I have the same take on it. I never understood how defensive – Head coaches can get uh get head coaching jobs when this is the offensive offensive style league. Exactly. And so here's the thing, right? 
we talk about in, about in life of adaptability, being adaptable. It's 2023. There are more things that I can adapt to than others. Uh, I'm still the person that doesn't love streaming. I, I, I still like using cable. I'm a person that still uses a computer. I'll use a desktop if I have to over using my cell phone for everything. Those things are kind of hard to adapt to for me. But for me, offensive football and adaptability is not that hard for me because the rules have changed. Offensively, you have an advantage because you know what route you're running and you can use motion to dictate what the defense is going to do and set up your, your matchups. And even, again, the great defensive head coaches in this league, McDermott, Belichick, Tomlin, I'm watching their offenses, and they look like they're run from 1950. New England and Pittsburgh, yeah, they win games. They win seven, eight games a year. They are the most boring NFL watches, and it's not even close. Like, you watch Miami and Buffalo this year against New England? Like, Belichick, what are you doing? This is a complete mismatch. What? What 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 is the last defensive coach to be successful in the NFL as a head coach? Uh that's a good question. I would well the last one to win a Super Bowl outside of Belichick is probably it's just ragging over my brain, maybe Dan Quinn in Atlanta. John Fox and well obviously Dan Quinn didn't win, but he made it. John Fox won it, but he had Peyton Manning on his last legs. Uh that was two defensive head coaches. Uh, or no, that was Gary Kubiak. I'm sorry, Gary Kubiak won that Super Bowl with Denver. So he was an offensive head coach. Uh, it, it was Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll beating Denver. Uh, that Super Bowl 48 where they beat down. But again, that was almost 10 years ago at this point now. Um, so yeah, I I don't get it. Uh, I wish that these defensive coaches they they almost feel tone deaf to me. Uh, it's like. If if I if I was a general manager right now starting a, a franchise, I would go, okay, I'm gonna get a head coach, I'm gonna get a quarterback, I'm gonna get a pass rush, I'm gonna get an offensive line, and then I'm gonna get weapons. This talk, oh well, we need a linebacker. Do you know how many teams play nickel and dime nowadays? They don't you most teams use one to two linebackers. I'm saying you need one or two good linebackers, but oh, we need four to five linebackers. Like the Bears. This, this is a great conversation, Weridor, to step in, into the Bears. Justin Fields, right? I don't know how good he is because he has a defensive-minded head coach with no offensive weapons. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm watching the Bears, and I'm saying, you fired Matt Nagy. I thought took a lot of crap in Chicago for nothing. I actually thought he was a pretty good head coach. We got Mitch Trubisky to the freaking playoffs. <laughs> um, so... I'm watching Chicago, and I'm like, you fire an offensive head coach for a defensive head coach. You drove Justin Fields. Oh, we traded for Clay, for for Claypool. Look at us. We're upgrading the receiving core. Claypool stinks. I've been trying to tell people this in Pittsburgh for years. He wasn't that good. He had one good rookie year. He can barely separate. Didn't do anything in Chicago. Um, with that being said, I don't know if any of these quarterbacks in this draft are, are an upgrade over fields. Like, if I'm Chicago, I can tear this thing down. I can trade the pick. I can get maybe another one that I can trade back again. I could get two twos, two threes. I could set myself up. I could build around fields. If you do this draft right, draft two receivers, 
draft a tight end, draft some offensive linemen. Just go exclusively offense and build this thing. Justin Fields has what it takes to be an NFL quarterback, and he's proved it in Chicago, like you said, with nothing and a defensive head coach. I feel like you need to upgrade um, known pieces, of course, but Justin Fields has what it takes. I don't understand the trade Justin Fields, dog, blah, blah, blah. I never understood that. I wouldn't give up on Justin Fields that soon. Well, the only the only thing that I can speak to is you do realize that this is a real stat. He only has five wins in in his NFL career. Um, now there are quarterbacks that have won more. I mean, you know, there have been more raw quarterbacks. Obviously, Jalen Hurts. Remember when people were giving up on Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago? Said he couldn't throw. I said, give him A.J. Brown. J1 Hurts is going to be an MVP-type mm-hmm. candidate. I predicted it before the season. I didn't predict my team to go to the Super Bowl, but I predicted they were going to be really good because we got a number one receiver. That's right. what you need to do. Go out. If I was Chicago, I would say, hey, second or third for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, go out and get a receiver. I never understood why they paid Claypool that money. To be a number one receiver, and he's like a legit three. He he's a legit three on bad teams. He's a two. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing about this offensive defensive coaching thing, right? Daniel bleeping Jones. He is. I I don't believe in him at all. I I think he's a <laughs> terrible quarterback. And yet the Giants won a playoff game with one legitimate weapon, a running back. Um. And they won a playoff game because of how good the coaching is over there because they scheme people open. Again, you're watching the Giants. They're competent on offense. You're you're watching teams like Chicago. Their receivers can't separate for 10 bleeping yards. What the hell is wrong with this league? <laughs> and you you understand that Brian Dable is an offensive mind. Yeah. That's the difference. Okay. Daniel, Daniel Jones is mediocre, and I would not pay him – the forty-five to fifty million dollars he's asking for. Okay, I I, I want to shift gears then because I want to ask you this question. The Browns have an offensive-minded head coach. His name's Kevin Stefanski. Yes. For the life of me, they have an offensive-minded head coach, and they're running offense like it's nineteen fifty. Two, two, two running backs. Um, they're great on script. A, a lot of under center, not a lot of spread. Apparently, that's going to change this year, and I'm glad it will. Uh, hopefully, more more eleven personnel, shotgun, spread the field out. Man, it's Stefanski. He better freaking win games this year, and he better be a pretty damn good play caller because the Browns look like they have an offensive head that coach that plays like he's a defensive head coach. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Stefanski some slack. He he made Jacoby Brissett look like a look like a decent quarterback, better than what he has been. Cause honestly, when we first got Jacoby, I was kind of iffy on him, what he would do with Deshaun being out. But I feel like Stefanski's play calling was iffy because it's just my opinion. I think they. Try to change the playbook um, 
when Deshaun when Deshaun came back, and it was too too late, and I feel like they can only run certain stuff because Deshaun didn't know as much coming into the season so late. Well, I feel like this. I feel like but, Kevin Stefanski is gonna is gonna redeem himself. Well, we will see. Obviously, uh, I I want to shift gears. I want to talk some NBA with you. Um, so this this is what I said. Um, when when Phoenix made the trade for Kevin Durant, I thought it was a right move for Phoenix. If I was Brooklyn, I would have not traded Kevin Durant. I I probably wouldn't even have traded Kyrie Irving. I would have tried to give it one more shot, especially in the uh, weak Eastern Conference. And I don't like when guys make make trade demands with with three or four years left in their deal. I just don't like it. Um, but with that being said, I think the West, I, I don't buy Denver at all. Listen, Jokic can never a triple-double all he wants. He's made one conference final. He got blown off the court by, by, by LeBron at AD. Uh, I'm not a, a believer that much in Jokic in Denver. Memphis is a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in Memphis. And I also think they're, they're young. Everything going on with Dylan Brooks and John Moran. Don't want that team either at this point. I think the West. I thought the Clippers were going to be in it until they signed the disaster, in my opinion, known as Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think that they are now out of it. So because of that, I think the West comes down to health, and I think it comes down between two teams. I think it comes down to Phoenix if they stay healthy, but do not absolutely count out Golden State. I agree. Golden State is going to be there no matter no matter what. They have that championship pedigree. As we've seen for many, many years, I'll, I'll never count them out anymore. Even though when they when they first won the first championship, I always said a jump shooting team wasn't going to win a championship, and they proved me wrong. So I'll never count out Golden State. And they went on many battles with Cleveland, of course. So we've seen them up and cl- close and personal. But going back to uh, – going back to – Phoenix, I think the key is Chris Paul. If Chris Paul stays healthy and can keep that team of um team afloat with all the assist ball movement, all that they'll they'll make the finals. But if if Chris Paul gets hurt, then I feel like that team is gonna derail a little bit. Do you agree with me on Denver? I I agree with you on Denver. I feel, I feel like you you can you can let uh let Jokic go off, but if none of the other players are hitted, then they're one dimensional. Yeah, I mean, again, Jokic is great. I you know he's a two time MVP, probably gonna win his third. This is the year he probably should legitimately win it. Uh, I didn't think he should have won it the last two years. Uh, I thought last year definitely should have went to Joel Embiid. The year before that should have probably went to Giannis. Uh, I think LeBron got robbed with two MVPs in Cleveland. I, I'm not an MVP award guy. I think the MVP is more of a narrative-driven story. I think it's ridiculous. I think the media falls in love with, with great players uh, like a Russell Westbrook, like a James Harden that are all stats and they don't do well in the postseason. Uh, I think it's going to be an embarrassment because if Denver gets the wrong matchup, I mean, if they get a Lakers team with a healthy LeBron and AD, we'll see if LeBron comes back and if they make it in. But if you get a Lakers team, or if you get even a Clippers team in round one, if Denver goes home, that's gonna be that's gonna be a bad luck for the NBA, in my opinion. 
let, let me ask you a question about Denver. Can you win a championship with with the best player on your team being a big man? That's a great question. I think you can. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I think Joel Embiid is more skilled than than Jokic. I mean, I don't understand Jokic. I've been telling people this. <laughs> he he can't jump. How, how do you score 30, 15, and 15 a night and can't jump? I mean, I, I don't get it. I watched Evan Mobley jump over him three or four times and the guys played Denver last week. It worked like a no contest. And yet he still got 30 and and, and whatever. Um, I think you can if you have the right piece around him. I think Philly Philly could have won the championship a couple years ago uh, if, it, if it wasn't for Kawhi Leonard hitting that shot that went ring around the Rosie and inside the basket when he was in Toronto. <laughs> right. I th- I thought that was Philly's best team, and I thought that, that they were actually the best team in, in the East that year. Um, you know, Milwaukee, their best man is technically a big man in Giannis. Um, and I wasn't a big believer in Giannis either until he won that championship against Phoenix because I need to see it. I've seen way too many superstars slash stars melt down in big moments. It's why I'm not a big believer uh, or in Boston this year because I don't trust Jason Tatum either. Wow. I don't. What what has Tatum done? Show me what Jason Tatum has done in the moment, in the game, on the stage. Because all I saw last year in six games against Golden State was the best player for Boston in that series by far was Jalen Brown. So so do you like Jalen Brown over Tatum? I like Jalen Brown over Tatum because I think Jalen Brown has legit dog in him. I don't think Jason Tatum has dog in him when it is time to rise up in the spotlight in the moment. It, I have always believed this. There's a big difference between the first round of the playoffs, the second round of the playoffs, the third round of the playoffs, and the finals. The finals is the state. I don't care if you do well in three rounds of the playoffs. If you stink in the finals, I want you off my team. Because you're not ready to compete in the stage and the moment to take the ring against the best team on the other side. It froze, so I, I didn't know. Okay, well, well, did you hear what I said about uh, the team and the moment? I don't want Tatum on, you know, I need Tatum to come back. I need him to do a great job on the finals in the stage and the moment. I don't trust him at all. Uh, which is why I think Milwaukee makes it out of the East this year. I I, I like Milwaukee because Giannis. Who's going to stop Giannis, honestly? Uh, I think Philly could. I actually think the Cavs have legit bodies to stop Giannis. The problem is the Cavs are are, are inconsistent uh, and they don't have a good bench at all. Uh, they're one of the most frustrating teams to watch in, in the NBA. Oh, my um, God, I, you're not lying. I, I don't – is it just me? Like, whatever, I don't like the Cavs this year. I Even though they had a worse record last year, I thought they were a better watch last year. Um, I, I, love, I love Donovan Mitchell, but I don't understand the rest of this team. I love Mobley. I love Jared Allen. I love Garland, obviously. They don't have a wing at all. Uh, they barely addressed it at the deadline. Um, and they, they don't have a bench at all, and they play down to their competition. It, they're they're badly coached. Um, they're just not a great team. I I don't I don't think they're a good team. I think if they get the right matchup, maybe against the Knicks, they could win a series. But to me, this team is disappointing as where they should be right now. 
Thank you. I feel like no shooting is holding this team back a bunch. If we had shooting, we can hang with anybody. But our shooting is so inconsistent. And I agree with you on the Cavs. Um, I think we can only beat the Knicks. Any other team? I don't even know if uh, we can win a series. The Knicks are the only team that I'm confident we can beat in a seven-game series. I mean, Miami, I don't know. Do we even win? I mean, do we win one game? Maybe two? Like, I, I just feel like Miami's just so much better coach. I, I'm not the biggest J, JB fan either. Um, His rotations, his constant yelling, which I, I just, I don't get it. He yells at everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, the, the dude fouled him. Like, shut up. Like, he, he just, this team annoys the hell out of me, man. Like, they're, they're, I try to love this team, and they just do something stupid to annoy me. I feel like if you give JB a better a better bench, he'll be a better coach. He's very limited on the bench, so I feel like his rotations are all over the place because he but, doesn't. But that's his fault to me because <laughs> because you you have guys like like Robin Lopez and he for some reason refuses to play. Uh, you know, Jenny Osmond. Oh, we're down by twenty against Boston. Here's an idea: let's put Jenny in to start an off. You to start an offense? Excuse me. Um, you know, Dean Wade, I think, is a pretty good player, even though he's undrafted. I think he's done good for the league. You know, he's in and out. Lamar Stevens, he doesn't trust at all, it seems like. He plays really well, never plays him again. Like, I, that's a coaching thing to me. I I don't understand the, the Jetty Osmond not getting more minutes because I, like, I feel like Jetty brings a spark when it's needed most. Yes, he's inconsistent. It depends on the game. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it depends on the game. And yes, he's inconsistent, but I feel like he brings energy no matter what, and Cleveland can feed off that. You know what's crazy, too, is sometimes I like Karis LeVert and sometimes I hate him. Uh, oh, my God. He's a ball hog, man. Like, I'm, I'm watching him and I'm going, guys are wide open in the corner. Why aren't you passing the ball? Like him, Okoro, Jetty, they all drive me nuts. You know what's crazy? When when uh when Car- when we traded for Karis, I was so hyped. You know me, I was I was excited because I, yeah. I thought I thought he was gonna be way better, but he pisses me off so much. I oh thought he was God. gonna be be more consistent, I and know. it feels and it feels like with Karis, we'll be like down by like three or something, and we need a three, and he'll be wide open and. He, it just hit the backboard and no rim, and you're like, "What the hell?" You, you know what? I I was out on Caris LeVert after watching on the playing tournament last year. He had the worst two games I've ever seen a Cavs player play in a two game stretch in my life. Dribbling the ball off his foot, literally every time he touched it. There he goes. I was like, "Get this bum off the goddamn team!" Yeah, I agree with you. So, so going back to JB, well, what do you take on JB? JB's a clown. I'm just going to be honest. JB, I I try to like him, but he reminds me of a coach that's like really good for a young team, but isn't a playoff caliber coach. Um, It it feels that the Cavs just need a new voice in the room. I don't, again, I don't get this mindset. We're a defensive minded team. That's great. We can't shoot. 
I, how are you going to win a basketball game? It's 2023. We have maybe two or three guys on this team that can legitimately shoot. Garland, Mitchell, and Frolovert, and their Mobley's okay, and Allen's okay. You can make a stretch for five. Dean Wade, maybe you can throw in six. Don't trust Okoro. He's inconsistent. Uh, Levert, too, obviously. Osmond. Um, we don't have a backup big, which I don't like at all. We do technically. His name's Robin Lopez. Ne never play him, as I mentioned. Um, there, there was something off with this team ever since they went on that eight-game winning streak to start the year. Ever since that eight-game win streak, they have not been the same, in my opinion, all season long. So, do you give do you give JB a series, or no matter what the Cavs Cavs yeah. do it? I mean, I, I, I'm giving JV the benefit of the doubt, but I, I think if you get beat bad in the first round, you you, you make a change. Uh, depending on what's out there, I think you need a young, offensive-minded, we just started running football. I think you need a Boston type, uh, I forget the name of their new coach, but a young offensive assistant that can just go in there. We've seen Boston go from Yume Adoga to this new coach seamlessly. Why? Do... <laughs> I can't even talk about the Cavs. Oh, they're so frustrating. Like, like tonight, they're they're playing Detroit. I just put a $5 wager. They should cover the 15 and a half point spread because Detroit stinks. Will they? We'll see. I, and I agree. I agree with you on, on the Cavs, and I feel like they're going to – our fan base is bipolar with the Cavs as well as they are with the Browns, and I see why, and you're you're proving it. So, but going going back to the going back to the head coach real quick, would you give Ime Oduka Ime Oduka a call? Just because of his recent past, probably not. I need to find out more about the allegations that that were against him. Um, I think he's a good coach, but I think it's fair to say we don't really know what's happening in that situation. I don't know, man. I want, I want, I wanted to like JB, but you and I'm a writer for JB, and I, I've been on Twitter like arguing with people about JB and the rotations and no shooting and all that. But now that you're putting it in that perspective, like I can see your point now. It's it's like maybe JB isn't the guy. Um, I I want to talk some baseball real quick because I I believe I brought you on. Last year, and we talked about these new rule changes that were coming in. I don't remember exactly. Uh, but man, this pitch clock thing. Um, listen, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to baseball, right? I'm very old school. I don't like the shit being banned, I think it's taking away strategy from the game. Um, this pitch clock thing, we'll see if it speeds up the game. I guess great, it saves us time. But I don't think, even if they make the game faster, I don't think baseball realizes their main problem, which we talk about all the time, is marketing It starts. Prime example, MLB The Show 2023 is coming out uh, later, later this month. There's some Marlins player on the cover, and I'm <laughs> going to admit it here publicly, I have no <laughs> idea his name, and he's apparently a superstar. And I didn't even know MLB The Show was coming out. So yeah. that goes that goes to show you, MLB stinks at marketing. Um. So I mean, just your thoughts on the banning of the shift, the bigger bases, uh, and this pitch clock. Is it gonna make you more excited to watch baseball? No, because I'm a tradition. 
traditional traditionalist as well. And I, I feel like people are gonna like it till till it comes down to the regular season and a and a player strikes out or goes home from third on a stupid play like they did it like they yeah, did in the spring training. Spring, game, yep. spring training. So I'm going to admit this here to you. Um, I have placed a bet already on the World Series one over 2023. It's not the Cleveland Guardians. Um, so, But it is in an American League team. Uh, and, you, you know, I love the Cleveland Guardians. I think they had a great year. I love this team. But it's hard to get excited for them when they got to go to the Yankees and the Astros. And we legitimately know, no matter what we do, there's no way we can compete with the Yankees. And, and the Yankees feel like they're even miles away from Houston, who's about to, in my opinion, compete in their eight straight AFCS. I agree. I feel like our our ceiling is the division. The division, yeah. honestly, for and us. Again, it's, it's not like we're a bad team, which sucks. We're a really good team. It's just the Astros and the Yankees can spend whatever that they want. And, you know, I know a lot of people have their thoughts on, on Dolan and his cheatness and all that. Despite you saying that, like, there's not a lot of hole on the Guardians roster, I would say, maybe outside of catcher, uh, which uh, if Bo Naylor comes up this year and has a good year, I think that could be filled. They have a great rotation. They have a great um you know, style of hitting. They have a great bullpen. It is literally just the Yankees and Astros hit hit more for power, and the Yankees take advantage of that short field and right field, and yet the Guardians pretty much took the Yankees to the brink last year in the ALDS, just couldn't pull it off. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees and Houston are, is going to be our kryptonite. Yeah, I know. It's, it's unfortunate. It sucks that I really want to be excited for this team, and I really like this team, and I really feel like we match up with the Yankees. Or Because I don't feel like the Yankees are that great. I feel like they're more based on power hitting. But Houston's just a different animal. Um, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like there's any players that you're, you're, um, you're more excited about than usual? And is there like a player in our in our lineup that you're scared about going into uh, their second gear? Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see Josh Bell bring him over from free agency. I want to see how, how, that, how that works with, with him and Naylor. Uh, I think Andre Jimenez is going to have a great year. Oscar Gonzalez would be the one that, like, can he consistently produce in that outfield spot? I would say, uh, I think Ahmed Rosario is going to have a good year at shortstop, and I'm a little worried about how much playing time that, that, that they're going to give him if, if they want to call him some other players. I've been resistant to get rid of Rosario because I think he's so good, but I do realize our farm system's loaded. Right. I I feel like I feel like Quan is going to be consistent. Yeah. And and he's going to really benefit from the from the shift band. As well as um, J Ram, I feel like he he's gonna really benefit with having um, Josh Bell. 
Yeah, him and Naylor. Like, if Naylor can get back to being a traditional first base DH every day, I think that'd be great. Probably the one weak spot is is is, is uh, center field. I think Straw could potentially start their opening day, but that's going to improve with the prospects they have down, down in the minors. There's some that, that, that they could call up. And as I remind everybody, the 2016 team had to end Marlon Bird starting in center field and won a rebate at third base on, on opening day. Uh, so baseball changes a lot. There's a lot of guys that, that go up and down during the season, but I think this team is legitimately good. White Sox and Twins are good too. Detroit's getting up there. They're going to be coming in a couple of years, but I think the Guardians have a good chance to at least win the division this year. And if they get the right matchup, you know, maybe they advance the AOCS. Who knows? Yeah, I was just going to, like I said before, I think, I think it depends on matchup, honestly, for the Guardians. But I feel like otherwise, the cap for us is the is the division for us. So, last topic for today. I want to transition a little bit into some wrestling. I want to talk WrestleMania, Mr. Larador. Um, listen, the American Nightmare, the one and only Cody Rhodes. In your opinion, is this it? Is he the one? to stop the 916 current day reign of the undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Roman Reigns. It's about time to give Cody Rhodes his shine. I love Roman Reigns, but I feel like it's the it's the dream ending for Cody, and he deserves it, honestly. So I, as much as I love Roman, and Roman Reigns is one of my favorites, I love Cody as well, but I feel like the... The rain ends at WrestleMania. Okay, so I think the rain is going to end. I don't think it should yet. I don't think Cody should be the one. I I really don't. Uh, I don't. I think Cody is a really good, you know, baby face. I don't think he's the top face in the company. I I don't see it. I don't see him carrying the company. I think there are three legitimate options. One of them I thought was Sammy, which I probably knew they 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 weren't gonna put the title on him in Elimination Chamber. But Sami Zayn is so over with the crowd in that company. I really feel like it's Sami Zayn's time. I think you can make an argument for Seth Rollins just because of the history with him and Roman. And I think you can make an argument to go back to Jey Uso, where the originality of the bloodline story began with main event Jey Uso eventually being the one to dethrone the tribal chief of the undisputed championship. I think all three of those stories make sense. I don't think the Cody story necessarily makes sense. Uh, and I don't know what you do with Cody after WrestleMania because it's almost like, oh, finish the story, finish the story. Well, okay, what are you going to do after WrestleMania? Because there's not a lot of contenders for Cody to face. Yeah, now that you say that, yeah, it does make sense. Where do you go with Cody after he finishes the story about winning a championship? Like, like to me, if 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 you're, like, if I was booking it, Cody actually potentially wins the title at SummerSlam or next year's WrestleMania. I would book it so that Jey Uso is the one to screw Cody. Roman retains at WrestleMania. And so now Cody has a reason to keep continuing the fighting to get to finish the story. Because, oh, he won He won the Royal Rumble match. Great. It's like Cody versus Roman has had no real intensity like Sammy and, and Roman had, like Jay and Roman had, right? And so I think you need to give Cody a reason to keep fighting towards Roman 
And I don't even think Cody was the first option. I would love to see The Rock and Roman throw down at WrestleMania Oh my God, 40. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see it so bad. I think you could do it without the title next year at WrestleMania 40. And you maybe have Cody win the title at SummerSlam. And then Roman comes back and The Rock challenges him. And that's how you can get Rock and Roll without the championship being involved. But I really do feel, man, as much as I like Cody... I just don't feel like it's his time because I feel like there's way better stories out there than Cody being the one to dethrone Roman. So, so you would give it, you would give it to to Roman to win. I would give it to Roman to win. Just like I don't love, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't love the idea of Sammy and Kevin Owens fighting Jay and Jimmy Uso for the tag titles because I've said it too. After the bloodline story, where do Kevin and Sammy go as tag team champions? It makes no sense if, if that's the route that, that, that they're going to go. I would love it if Sammy found his way to again fight back in the bloodline and get another shot at Roman for the Universal Championship. And they don't do the tag team thing with Kevin Owens because they've been fighting back and forth. Now they're friends. Like, I just, the problem with the bloodline story is it's so good. After it, there's no foul. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how, how they pull this out. I I thought about maybe you give Cody one championship, you give Roman the other, maybe you give Cody the WWE championship somehow, you have Roman defended on both nights, Sammy one night, Cody the other night. Uh, because I, I don't think Cody winning both belts either solves the problem, which is, to me, you got to get the WWE Championship off of Roman because I would like to see Roman break Hulk Hogan's record as the Universal Champion and get to that number. I think he'd be pretty close after after WrestleMania for his. It's like just over a thousand uh, days as champion. Uh, Roman would break Hulk Hogan's record. I don't think he's going to get to uh, Bob Backlund or Bruno Sammartino. I think he could break Macho Man. I believe who's who's the the other one on that list, um, but. Yeah, that's that kind of where where I'm at in terms of the undisputed storyline. Yeah, I feel like with the bloodline, with the bloodline, the only the only way you can spin it more is putting the Rock. And I honestly yeah. thought the Rock was going to come come I in some, so too. S- somehow sooner than soon soon like recently. I I honestly thought he was going to come back at like. Rumble or something. I thought so too, but that's not the plan. It seems like they're going forward with Co- Cody versus Roman. And now I have a question of like, okay, if if Cody is the champion, how do you get one of the belts off Cody? Because I do feel like they're going to split the WWE Universe Championship even if Roman were to retain somehow a- after WrestleMania. Maybe Roman were to just drop the belt. I don't know. But to me, you got to get Raw Major Championship back. And who who would you want to carry it? See, that's the thing. I feel like it's Seth Rollins. I feel like you do Rollins versus Reigns the night after WrestleMania, and you make it for only the WWE Championship. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and and Rollins wins. My idea was, you know, before Theory cashed in on the U.S. Champion, my idea was that Theory cash in, you make it for for only one of the championships, and he you know, pins, whether it be Drew McIntyre or something like that, at Clash of the Castle for the uh, WWE Championship, and you put the title on theory, then obviously that's not the direction they went. But I thought that was the easiest path to get at least one of the belts off Roman. Do you, do you feel, not, not just throwing it out there, do you feel like 
feel like Bray's with Raw, right? Bray Wyatt? Yeah. No, he's on SmackDown. Oh, I thought he was with Raw. No, I was he's like, a SmackDown guy. He's fighting oh, Raw superstar Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, but he is a SmackDown superstar. Do you think Bobby can get in there somehow? Bobby, no. I don't think Bobby's is over. Uh, again, I really think it's three options. Four of you include Cody, but I think it's Rollins, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso. I think those are your three most over people to deal with the borderline story. I don't think Lashley has that much of a story with Reigns. Uh, Wesner is always a legitimate option, but that's not happening, obviously. Um, I I think that that's the route you go. Moving on to the rest of the of the WrestleMania 39 card. Listen, this card looks, looks really good on paper. I'm surprised it's some of the directions they went. I thought Rio Ripley would challenge Bianca Belair and not Charlotte Flair. I thought they would maybe do a Charlotte, Becky, Bailey, Triple Threat type match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, you know, Ray and Dominic look really good. Edge and Finn Bauer look, look really good. Lashley, Wyatt, Lesnar, Amos. Like, obviously, there's some P's that need to be filled, but just your overall thought on this current card of WrestleMania and how you think the show's going to play out. I I I hope they don't give it to Charlotte. I feel like the Charlotte storyline is getting old and repetitive. I agree. I I I think Rhea's gonna win the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think uh, Asuka's gonna win the Raw Women's Championship. I think we're gonna have two new women champions come WrestleMania. I think Gunther does retain the Intercontinental Championship in whatever matches he does face. I'm very curious to see if they do go through with Cena versus Theory for the U.S. title, and if Cena actually does become the U.S. champion, if he sticks around for a night or two. Oh, yeah, I forget about Cena. I would, li- I would like to see that. I He's mean, do you all- hotshot the belt on Cena for one night, have him do an open challenge the night after WrestleMania and lose it? To who? Somebody new from NXT, maybe. Or maybe you bring back a returning Tommaso Ciampa. Maybe a Johnny Gargano. Somebody like that who's never had a shot at a championship. Potentially yeah. Damian Priest in the Judgment Day, who I thought was going to win that awesome Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, I like, Dam- I like Damian Priest a lot. I like Damian Priest a lot. I like but... this version of Damian Priest. The Whatever version they did before him was awful. But... With, the, with, the, with the jacket... The the changing of like he's a good guy to a bad guy, like the mood swings thing they did last year. Yeah. That was um but regardless, I I want to ask you one more wrestling question, Larry. Uh this is a question that's been on my mind a lot. And it's about the sale of WWE. Um I have been covering this story here on the Brands World Podcast for months. Uh and I'll reiterate to you what I've been telling the fans for months is listen. Triple H has done a great job with the product since July. I really thought he's brought in a lot of fresh ideas. I think the product needed a refresh. I'm not taking away anything from Mr. McMahon because Vince obviously built this company to be great entertainment. And Vince is the reason for so many great storylines and characters of the history of wrestling. But I don't want the idea of a sale. Uh, I think it's petty on Vince's part. I think Vince is mad at the fact that his son-in-law is doing a better job than him. Uh, I didn't like the fact that he came back to begin with. And the rumors of him selling to Saudi Arabia, I, I don't like it at all. 
Uh, I I love WWE. WWE has given me so many moments in my life. Uh, to me, it's the best wrestling in the world. Uh, I don't care about AEW. I don't really care about New Japan. I don't care about any of the wrestling, uh, but WWE because I feel like it is by far the best wrestling in the world. And I will be legitimately upset if he sells to to Saudi Arabia because it's it's just, it's not right in my opinion. I agree with you. I I feel like keep it keep it keep it how it is and just just be be happy that that your product is still yeah. up and running at its best because of your son-in-law. Your now, son-in-law. No, I would say this though, or real quick, and I'm trying to cut you off. If Disney were to buy it or Comcast or Fox, somebody that knows the product, I would say, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the idea of Saudi that I don't love, and the shows over there are fine. I don't mind them. It's, you know, obviously what they stand for in their culture, knowing what they want to do with the company. Uh, I think WWE would be essentially over in five years if Saudi Arabia were to take over. Yeah, I agree. Who do you who do you think would be best to to sell it to? So I, it sounds like Comcast is not going to be involved in it, though I would think Comcast would be the best option because they own NBC Universal. So you already have the rights, obviously, to Raw, NXT, and Peacock. I think SmackDown would move from Fox to NBC, uh, but just keep it all in the family, and you would essentially then keep it at Comcast, and Triple H would still have the structure. Yeah, I like that. I like, like that a lot. Like, to me, that, that makes the most sense if you are going to sell it. But this whole thing, like... The whole thing on WWE right now is such an exciting product, but there's like this black cloud over it, right? Because you know any day they could announce, boom, the company's being sold. And it sounds like it's either going to go to Saudi or Shannon Tony Khan. Yeah, I don't like either of those. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, and and literally, I'm going to be honest with you. I just said I don't watch AEW really at all because I'm not a fan of Tony Khan. Um, I think Tony is a blatant idiot. I'm just, I'm just going to be, I don't like Tony Khan. I think he, I think he oversells everything. Uh, I think the whole thing with, with the all elite CM Punk Brock kind of turned me off AEW completely. Uh, AEW was so great as an alternative when it first started. And then when Cody left to go back to WWE, it kind of felt more significant than I think we all thought at the time. AEW has been completely off the rails to me ever since. Uh, their their ratings are going down. They're not as out of, of a product. Uh, and it, it's just, they have so many talented people and they're now in the same situation that WWE was in a couple of years ago where talent like, you, you know, Rusev or Miro, for example, aren't even being used. You have great guys like Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson who's going to be in the AEW Revolution Championship match, I understand, against MJF. But, it just, it doesn't feel like that they are doing what they set out to do 40 years ago when the company launched. I feel like the biggest mistake they did was let Cody go. That, yep. I I agree. Also, they had all these pay-per-views on Saturday, and now they moved them to Sunday. And also, I was telling people this, too. I think asking people now to buy pay-per-views for $60 when WWE and Peacock is $5 is ridiculous. I said this about the UFC. I said this about AEW. Get your premium live events on a streaming service. Uh, it makes no sense now. You're making people pay $60 for events. Yeah, even like even like UFC, they have like the app 
but you still got to – Right, have to, it's, it's on it's ESPN so, Plus, but you still have to pay the $60 for the yeah, event. It's, it's which so stupid. doesn't make sense to me. I, I said this. I give Vince a lot of credit because the WWE Network was one of the greatest inventions he made. If that was before streaming even took off, and WWE was ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, I agree with you. I loved, I loved, uh, I loved uh, WWE Network. Get everything for free. Yeah, and I mean, like, even now on Peacock, like, I use Peacock for other things, too, so it saved me five bucks a month, and I paid $5 for Peacock and the WWE Network at the same time. It's great. I mean, who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago, WrestleMania would be available for $5? Right. But yet, you know, you're paying $60 for, for AEW Revolution. That's no knock on AEW Revolution, but it's no WrestleMania. Um, yeah, it is. I, I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting time, I think, after WrestleMania. Uh, whoever buys WWE, it's going to be a big show, whatever it is. When When is that coming? Because I, I honestly thought that story died. No, it's not dying. It's it's gonna be announced in about May or June. Um, I think Nick Khan, their their CEO, announced it's gonna happen in May or June. I personally feel like the deal with Saudi Arabia is already done, and they're gonna announce it in late May when they go back there for the King and Queen of the Ring premium live event. Which, if you did not hear, they're bringing back King and Queen of the Ring in a actual pay per view event in Saudi Arabia. It's gonna be a one night tournament. So where do where do you feel like WWE is gonna go? I think it's Saudi, and I think it's already done. And where do you think the product goes? Do I, you feel like it dies uh, completely, or what? Yeah, I'm, I think it's gonna be a slow death, and I think it sucks. Uh, because I I love it. Uh, but I don't know if we're gonna get a WrestleMania 42. I'll I'll put it that way. Um, I just. I don't like it. I, I, it smells. The whole thing smells like like a setup. It, it, it really does. It smells like Vince being a bitter man for being kicked out because of his allegations, and he's pissed off that the company is doing well without him, and he's jealous. It, the whole thing smells like it to me. I don't get why he's jealous. It's your son-in-law, like I know. running it. Like I don't understand. And apparently him and Stephanie McMahon had real work issues. Uh, like, they did not get along at, at work at all. They have different visions. And it sounds like it's Triple H and Stephanie versus Vince. Oh, well, the egos. 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 It absolutely is. And Shane McMahon, nobody knows where he is. Right. And nobody knows where Shane stands, but it's really very interesting around uh, this time next year. Thank you, Brandon Laredor, for joining me today on this edition of Brandon's World. Uh, thank you so much, man. You are more than welcome to come back anytime. Feel free to go and shout out your socials real quick. Thanks for having me, man. My Twitter is Brandon Laredor. It's Laredor, L-A-R-A-D-O-R. It's all together. Um, Yeah, and that's it's Mostly in. All right, Larry Orwell, well, thank you. We will be back here on Thursday when the one, the only Washington Commanders fan, Austin Arnold, comes on the show. We're going to talk about the hiring of Eric B. Enemy as the Commanders offensive coordinator. Plus, we're going to break down the Super Bowl where my Eagles potentially got hosed, as well as obviously. Oh, my God. I know, right? As well as uh, all, all the things that we talk about. 
with with Laird or today, so stay tuned for that. Again, we are in collaboration with Voltage Live. Follow me personally on Twitter at Brandon Lewis. Follow the show everyone is going to be one. Check us out wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys on Thursday. And peace.